struggle with that uh, scripture. And, and, and I struggle with it for a number of reasons. One is it's irresistible. Jesus, the rabbi, is teaching the people that day, and he says, you have heard it said. That whole piece I read from Leviticus is from Moses. That, that's from a long time ago, from generation to generation to generation. And, and Jesus sits that day teaching, and he says, you have heard it said from rabbis of old and from Moses, but now I say to you. You thought it was just bad to look, uh, to, 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 to commit adultery. I'm telling you, if you even look, you thought it was bad to murder someone. I'm telling you, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And he, and he makes this irresistible teaching where you just kind of swerve from side to side in your chair. It was funny in the sanctuary, and I preached three weeks ago, you could just see people shifting back and forth going, oh, pastor, please, not me, not me. Oh, and you just, it's just irresistible. And Jesus is setting a higher bar for Christians as well as in his preaching, pointing us to Christ and saying, there's only one that's perfect, and that's the one speaking to you that, that day. I want to show you a little video, and, and, and as you watch the video, I want to just reflect a little bit on going uphill and going downhill. Um, anybody can go downhill. And what Jesus is speaking of here in our relationships is going downhill Oh man, is go there? It is. Does that look familiar? That's Santiago Oaks Park up by the flag. That's not me, but that's somebody else on the mountain bike, right? Living kind of downhill is uh, everything going for you. Doesn't take a lot of energy to go downhill. You can go downhill fairly quickly, and sometimes you crash and burn. But really, any good mountain biker can figure out how to go downhill. Uh, you might slow down and ride your brakes or shift and, and get your bike in a good position, but overall, going downhill is not where you expend all your, your energy. In our text today, Jesus is speaking of loving your enemies and uh, not just hanging out with your immediate friends, clan, group. It's kind of just downhill when we hang out with those who we love. It's easy living they repay us with dinners, and they repay us with gifts. They, there's a, a, a marvelous warmth in those relationships. You go downhill, you go together. They sit and wait for you. If you wipe out, if they wipe out, you wait for them. You dust them off, but, but it's kind of going downhill. You, it's simple. It's easy. You just kind of keep pedaling and keep going. I've ridden that trail a hundred times. It's amazing to think about that. You would think Jesus would say in this text, hang out with your people who are close and don't be made impure by the world. You would think Jesus would say something like, just hang out with one another and everything will be fine. Be insulated from your enemies. Be insulated from the people who you don't like. Be insulated from the people. Just live this simple, easy, downhill life and see how it goes. And we know how that goes. It's kind of fun to live that way. Even as a pastor in a church, it's easier to hang out with some people than others. In our own way of life and doing things, we organize things kind of that way. Who's easiest to be with? Who, who's kind to me? Who says good things? And then there's that, that person who kind of gets in your way as you're blowing downhill, and you say, oh, 
man, really? I got to talk to him. He always says the wrong things. He's always mean. He's always dumb. He drives me crazy. He's asked me the same question 500 times. He always kind of smiles in a weird way that's sarcastic, that drives me up a tree, but uh, let me get on my bike. Let me go downhill. I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to get after as much. I don't have to try so hard with the people I know. I've just got to kind of get through the rocky piece at the top of shoots and see how it goes. What credit is it to you to be good to those who are good to you? Anybody can live a life that's downhill. And Jesus is changing what life looks like for Christians as he's speaking here of the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's, he's pointing us to him, as I said earlier, but even along with that, he's setting forth a lifestyle and a way of doing things that is going to transform the entire world. And it's going to go from this little group of people being taught of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and it's going to overtake the whole world to the point where 2,000 years later, we're sitting in Orange, California, hearing the same sermon with similar language, but with the identical same meaning. How's your life going? Where are you grinding it out? Where are you going downhill? Where have you wiped out? And honestly, right... Here, I've wiped out. And you get up, and you wipe yourself off, and your buddies say, are you okay? Let's go. You have heard it said, but now I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What name? What face, what picture comes to your mind's eye? Remember sitting in a mediation for the church. The man who led that mediation is one man who lied right to my face, lied about my character, lied about the church, lied about the intentions of the church. His face is right here as I went through this this morning. Really, really hard to have somebody impugn you, your career, your work, and say, if you pursue this, we'll get you. Who is that person for you? That coworker who drives you nuts. That child that just went off the rail. That, that daughter that got into a lifestyle that drives you crazy and you don't know how to deal with it. Who are those people that are very, very difficult for us to live with? And we're going downhill and we were cruising downhill. And all of a sudden we had to stop and, and kind of figure out how to deal with this person. Who is that person for you? What was the offense? How did it work? And where are you at with that this morning? As you kind of come to the end of a downhill, of a downhill run. What do we do in our own nation? 
Some will come to church today and say, hey, I saw the Trump rally in Florida. Some will say, did you see the press conference this week? And they'll be like, yeah, it was great. It's fantastic. And others will turn and say, I'm so afraid and so nervous and so uptight. I don't know what, what to do. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let's put up that next slide, please. Eh. How about, there you go. And one more. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said that. I'm not making this up. And really, really, no, 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 don't go there. Let's just meditate and think about that a little bit, right? What are you going to do in America? Jesus doesn't say that love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you unless they vote for the elephant and you vote for the donkey. How do we get along? And what does it look like in a Christian society? We talk about uh, America being a Christian society and all of this Christian stuff and Christian values and all of those things. And yet when one side wins, that side gloats and the other side goes into damage control mode. Jesus says, no way. He says, when the sun comes up, it shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on all of America. It shines on all people. We all live under the umbrella of God's grace. So what does that look like in our, in our, in, in our country where we disagree with this and we disagree with that, but we try like crazy to pull things together and live without a chaotic sense of leadership in our country? Pray for those who persecute you. Republicans pray for Democrats, Democrats pray for Republicans, Christians pray for non-Christians, and we all are called in Christ to pray for one another and have a higher way of thinking than who wins and who loses, and the binary piece of we won and you lost, you go back and you win and then we lose, and every four or eight years we kind of stick it to one another. Christians have a higher calling than that. Christians have a higher level of citizenship than that and a higher level of responsibility as citizens in this great country and in any country in which they live. God makes the sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he's called Christians to be the salt and the light earlier in Matthew chapter 5. Can you live with that? It's easier to forward naughty emails. It's easier to make sarcastic quips. It's easier to... What does that look like going forward? And how do we as Christians be that peace that unifies and stratifies, stratifies a nation and pulls people together, not under politics, but under the umbrella of God's grace. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Living in Christ. I love the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus bege or, uh, Paul begins writing about friends and enemies and all of those things, about being close to God and far to God and all of those things. 
This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But, <laughs> but, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus is calling upon us to do something that he did, except he took it to the very nth degree. We were dead in our sins. We were lost in our transgressions, Paul writes. But God, who is rich in mercy, came down in Christ. He came from heaven's throne to you and me. He didn't come only for the Jewish people, for the people of the covenant, for the people who read the Leviticus thing. He came for you and me, for the Europeans, for the people in the Middle East, for the people in Africa and Asia, for the crazy, nutty German Lutheran people who would settle in Orange. He came for the world. And in coming through a world that was in, at odds with him and his values and his love, he interjected himself into that world, suffered and died for that world, and in his death drew us close to God and close to himself. While we were dead, while we were enemies, God came to us. And he provided forgiveness and anything that would hold us apart from God was taken away in Christ and we were drawn close to God. Not because of our political affiliation or how righteous we were, but because of what Jesus did for us. And so we stand on the foundation of that in our lives. That's the equalizing factor, isn't it? If we're going to talk about who's better than whom, we're going to be in real deep weeds in a real hurry. But as we speak of Christ and of who God is and what God has done and the perfection of God delivered to humanity in its broken state to you and me, how God took enemies and made them friends in Christ, all of a sudden there's a little bit more coalition, coalescence of people Everywhere Christianity goes, you see that. In Vietnam, in a little hotel room, singing praise songs 12 years ago. In Kenya last summer at Susan's school, singing and praying. And Christians have a way of making people who are far off friends and close. It's what we do in our own community as you shake hands and as you hang out. It's kind of what we do as Christians. We gather together in community because we have more in common in Christ than anything that would ever separate us politically or otherwise. Let's run that video.
please. This last week, I went on a mountain bike ride on Wednesday with my friends, and I went with my, my one buddy, Eric, who's super fit. I weigh probably 50 more pounds than him. And uh, here's where we rode. I want to just see this. We were walking our bikes up a treacherous trail. No, that's not us. <laughs> I'm reminded that when Jesus says, but I say to you, that life starts going uphill. You have heard it said, and then Jesus spins it and says, but I say to you, and all of a sudden life is going uphill. I rode with my friends on Wednesday, and we went up a little hill, and I thought, great, three skinny guys and the big fat pastor, I'll just get him back. And I got him back, and I huffed and puffed, and I huffed and puffed, and I made it down the first big hill, and then we we're ready to go up the other hill, and I go, well, I'm in pretty good shape. I don't feel too gross today. I don't feel like I'm going to die or throw up or anything. I feel pretty good. And so I made it up the big hill, and one of the skinny guys stopped. And I thought, I'm going to be okay. And we went about another quarter mile, and we stopped and caught our breath. And finally, we get to the top, and we're doing good. Everybody's breathing hard. Everyone's legs are tired. Everyone's heart is, is pumping. Everyone's doing what they do to get to the top of the hill. Good mountain bikers are not the ones who uh, go downhill so fast. Especially at my age, at 52, 53 next month, the beefcake studly mountain bikers are the ones who can climb a mile straight up. You have heard it said, but now I say to you, The focus of a Christian's life is not on the easy pieces of blessing and that. The focus of a Christian's life is the uphill climb. For in the uphill climb is where character is built. The uphill climb is where faith is fortified and proven to be true and right and strong and pure. The uphill climb in life, loving enemies and praying for those who persecute us, that's where we put our lives in God's hands and say, I can't change this person, but Lord, you can change me. Amazing to think about that. Where's the uphill climb in your life? Where do you have to go? What does it look like to get after forgiveness and grace lived out with someone you really struggle with? Three pieces of counsel in that. First from the text, Jesus says, pray for your enemies. It's really hard to hate someone you're praying for. So pray for your enemies. And don't pray like for them to get open sores or to die or something, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, smite them with the power of thy right arm. Yeah. Pray for your enemies. And secondly, with that, pray for and wish good things upon them. Hurt people hurt people. And more than likely, the person who hurt you is a hurt person. And when you pray good things for them and God delivers those good things, it's really hard for them to figure that out. God won us by the grace in Jesus Christ. Perhaps maybe God would use that same turn of events for somebody else and win them back into, into his fold. Pray for your enemies. Wish the best for them. And forgive 
as much as it relies on you. How do you in your heart let some of those offenses go? It doesn't happen instantaneously. It happens over the course of time. It takes a while to get and grind it out to the top of the hill. But how do you let it go in a way that's good for you and that doesn't make you seethe with anger every time you hear their name? Forgive, release, disconnect, wish the best, pray for that person. And maybe at some point God opens the door. I don't know. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. You don't need to be their best friend and hang out with them to forgive them. Forgiveness rests on you because you are children of God in Jesus Christ. How we live with our enemies, how we pray for those who persecute us, that's grinding it out, getting to the top of the mountain, seeing the mountain from the very top and being blessed by the work it took to get there as well as the view from the very, very high road. I pray for our country every day that God would bless us with a new and renewed sense of unity. I pray for our church, that God would make us that salt and light in our community and that people would look and say, St. John's, you're a bunch of knuckleheads. How come you're so kind and how come you love people? Right. Let us tell you about Jesus. I pray for you. Because I know that together we have stuff and people in our lives that aren't neat but are messy. And it's how we climb into those relationships and how we climb that hill of discipleship in Christ and through Christ that makes us stronger, more resilient, more faithful, more loving, tougher, and reflects marvelously that love of Jesus for us.